It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My name's Kayla. Some people know me as a morning radio show personality in Columbus, or I'm just a relative of a lot of people in Columbus. But one thing I know for sure is I am a foodie. Yes, I love food other than peas and cilantro. Try to change my mind, I dare ya. But I love the stories behind the food, some of which my husband Jared and I have learned while sitting on the couch with our dog Cooper watching the Food Network channel. Yeah, that's a lot of our Friday nights. But that has then led me to this, a podcast about all the restaurants, business owners, bakers, chefs right here in Columbus to get the story behind behind them and the food. A lot of which I hope you never knew before and it makes you want to go try them out. Who knows, you may become a foodie like I did. Plus you want to go back and have just one more bite. On today's episode, I have Chef Taylor Heineman. He is the executive chef at Buckeye Lake Winery right now, and I first met him through email when he told me about a community break for his foster care program, where he teaches kids how to cook, how to do things with food, how to budget, all to benefit their life later on. Little did I know when I got to meet him for this that I would find out that he started off as a dishwasher at the age of 29, and in three years, he became an executive chef. Now the Food Network is reaching out to him, and he has a partnership with the Cameron Mitchell here in Columbus about a future project. Yes, this sounds like a lot in three years, but Taylor's stories are amazing and you can't stop listening to them. Plus, when you hear about their food at Buckeye Lake Winery, the fried gnocchi is my favorite, you're definitely going to want to check them out. Valentine's Day is the perfect time to do that because you can pair the beautiful food with all of their amazing wine. And I'm pretty sure Taylor will be out there telling you all of the stories that you're going to hear right now. I am excited to talk to you because I have heard that you are Instagram and Facebook famous. But you got your start in social media of your food, but you began as a dishwasher. So you need to explain all the way from the beginning how that came to where you are now, the executive chef of Buckeye Lake Winery. Okay. Well. <laughs> no pressure. We're no, uh, it's okay. I like telling stories, okay. and I like to think I'm okay at telling stories. So <laughs> uh, I'd say in 2011, I graduated Ohio State University with a bachelor's degree in social work. And I knew right then and there that I didn't want to do anything with social work or be a social worker. <laughs> So I did that. I dabbled in the corporate life for a little bit. I was a recruiter for five years uh, after graduating. And then I got let go from a contract and was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, you know, what was something that truly made me happy? You know, at that time I had just got engaged and, you know, my now wife was very supportive. She's like, go back, do whatever you want to do, figure it out. We were, you know, living rent free for a little bit. So we had some space. I did landscaping with a friend of mine and then I uh, got to be around the holidays and I said, all right, time to do something with my life. What do I want right. to do? So, you know, we got to talking and she goes, you know, cooking's really always made you happy. You've always been really good at it. You know, why don't you try something in that? And I was just like, well, you know, I've never done a kitchen before, but I've have worked as a server all through college and very familiar with the food service industry and restaurants in general. So I had a friend of mine's little brother who was opening Napa Kitchen and Bar over in Dublin. And I was like, are you looking for cooks? You know, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to do whatever yeah. it is I need to do. 
He's like, yeah, come on by. You know, soft opening was election day, I believe, that year. <laughs> so I walk in there, and he's like, our dishwasher walked out. You need to do dishes. Oh, no. So I was like, okay. It's dead, <laughs> of, it's dead of winter, right? It is, like, below freezing outside. And at the end of my shift, I am soaked head to toe. Oh. Like, shirt, pants, everything, and trying to walk out in freezing cold. And I just bought a Jeep, too, that had, like, no insulation in it. It was, like, this 1994 Jeep Wrangler. So I'm, like, soaked head to toe, about to freeze, driving from Dublin all the way up to Polaris. And I'm just like, man, what did I get myself into? Yeah. What did I get myself into? Next shift, I come in. He's like, we still need to do dish. Oh. And so that happened for about two weeks. And then I got moved up to salads. And then that was the rest of history. I got, I just kept wanting more and wanting more and wanting more. And then I met my mentor at Napa Kitchen and Bar, John Rodriguez, who taught me everything I know. Yeah. Man's a legend around here in Columbus. You know, you ask anybody who's worked with them, you feel the same way that I do. So... <laughs> He was the kitchen manager there, so he kind of took me under his wing and taught me all the stuff and certain terms and talked me out of going to culinary school. Why talk you out of going to culinary school? Because he said that you can learn a lot more on the job than you can actual school. Because I have my sous chef currently right now is, is a student at Columbus State, mm -hmm. and I sat in on a couple of her classes, and they teach you very much like food science like how you know much water retentions in a mushroom or like how like and but how you'll you never need to know that but you'll you? never really need okay. to know that but it, i mean in the back of your mind it's nice to know that so like when you're sauteing mushrooms you don't need to add any liquid because when they heat up you're going to have water anyway so right. adding any more liquid is just going to make it you know soggy or whatever so in in terms but those are things that you pick up along the way and uh i was very eager and anxious i was always first person in last person out like you know always soaking up as much as I possibly could because I didn't go to culinary school and I'm like, all right, I'm 29 years old going into a brand new industry, Wait, not knowing anything. Say that again. 29. 29. So you were just like, you could have at that point had your career decided for you, but 29. I pretty much did. I was uh, I was making seventy thousand dollars a year as an IT recruiter, like yeah. making good money and doing well at it, but it just wasn't fulfilling for me. And I've never made a decision based off money in my whole life. So it's just one of those things where you know, I've been blessed to not have to force to be make yeah. that type of decision, you know, and there's, you know, not a lot of people are have that situation. So things were kind of going south a little bit at Napa. Business was slowing down a little bit. I was, you know, I got passed up a couple of times for a supervisor position that I thought I deserved. And, you know, the kitchen manager at the time, he's like, I, it's out of my control. It's out of my control. Right. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not getting paid for what the work I'm putting in here. You know, I basically audited their entire recipe book. Like I said, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Like <laughs> this is the wrong measurement. Like I just went in and did everything and, you know, zero appreciation, zero nothing. And I was like, I don't want to work for a company like that. So um, my next move was to work for Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. I was like, he is the epitome of restauranteurs here Another in name that is known. Yeah. yeah. You know, a huge name. Right. So I was like, I want to work for that man. So I just went on his restaurant website and I just applied for every job that I possibly could. Wow. And then Marcella's up in Polaris, which was really nice because I had just moved to Polaris at that time, had contacted me and said, you know, come in for an interview and went in for an interview, got hired on the spot and stage the next day. And what what stage? Stage is basically like an audition. So you like walk go into a kitchen. You're not listening Technically, it's illegal in Ohio to do it because if you're working in a kitchen, you have to be paid. Okay. And a stage is an unpaid shift. Oh. But you're basically just 
learning from everything to see if it's something that you want, something that they want. Traditional kitchens have a lot of stages, but not a lot of your corporate ones won't have one. So you can call it an audition. Yeah, basically. And then I was immediately put on pasta. It was the hardest station there (laughs) because I wanted it. I was like, what's the hardest station? Like pasta. I go, that's when I want to work. Oh my gosh. And they were like, yeah. So they stuck me with the supervisor who had been there for like four years, Juan. His (laughs) name is Juan. He's an awesome guy. I love Juan. Um, he also works at Brio during the day. So uh, what you'll find out, too, is like especially in the areas, a lot of kitchen crews will work in the same restaurants. So like Marcella's PM crews will be Brio's AM crews and Brio's no AM crews will be Bravo's or like like Marcella's PM Ooh, crews. Oh, the secret. So like, and they like kind of rotate around, especially in that area. They yeah. like all rotate around the cooks do in that area. So he was my trainer, been there for four years. Juan was very disappointed dad supervisor. You know, he was just like, you know, that penne looks like crap. And he would always like take a bite of it and go, dude, like, actually he's spitting it out. He was obviously kidding around, but he was, you know, very, very tasteful. He used to hide my tongs for me which is i always uh, tell everybody i train as why because he said that you know having tongs in your hand as a saute cook is constant like if you have to constantly look for it you're wasting time especially on a busy night so if you just find a way to how to know how to keep them in your hands or you know i'll loop them in my pinky if i have to hold them or whatever like and he used to take my tongs and hide them from me in the middle of Friday shift and be like, I told you not to drop your tongs. Why are you putting your tongs down? So <laughs> he taught me how to do everything. Like, and this is an extension of your hand is how to tongue. And that was something that I learned from Karen Mitchell because he's very, very meticulous about stuff like that. And once I mastered the pasta station at Marcella's, or at least I thought I mastered it. <laughs> in um, your mind, you did. In my mind, I did. Uh, I got an opportunity to work for Jeff Ruby Steakhouse, which at the time was not very well known here in Columbus. I was going to say, because you go to Jeff Ruby, you're like, ooh, fancy. Yeah, uh, it wasn't, it was, uh, I would say it was maybe September of 2018, 17, somewhere around there. So they were just getting into the busy season and they had only opened like earlier on in that season. Okay. So I, I I didn't even know what it was. John my John Rodriguez that was a the prep chef there. So he got me the job there and was like, hey, this is they're a really good company. You know, this is really fine dining, high end, something mm-hmm. that you want. And and uh, I started there with under Chef Adam Yoho, who's now the executive chef over at Gamut Beers uh, Company, a beer um, over off of Oak in German Village. Learned under him for a bit, uh, and then uh, they let him go. And then there was an interim chef. Chef Joe from Las Vegas, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit too, showed me, he went to school. So he's like, showed me all the technical stuff and the high-end stuff that he's been doing forever. He left for another company and I started working the Saute Grill Station, which is at Jeff Ruby's is everything other than steaks. So it's like your fish, your chicken, sides, burgers, stuff like that. Anything other than the thousands and thousands of dollars of steaks (laughs) that goes through that place. (laughs) There's one steak guy, I bet, right? There's one steak guy and he is... One of the best I've ever seen. He is, his name is Teddy Miller. He is this giant human being. <laughs> and all he does is just rotate. He just takes the steaks from the broiler and puts them in the window. This is all he does all day. Oh my God. Back for the whole and forth shift. behind him. Yeah. All, that's all he does. He doesn't move more than three inches in his space for the entire <laughs> shift. But that man, he doesn't, a lot of cooks will do it by touch. Like yeah, they'll touch you have the steaks. Rule. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the, they'll do it by touch. He does it by count in his head. He'll know how long. Every single steak on that broiler, no matter how full it is, how much longer they have. Oh so they'll gosh. be like, hey, Teddy, how much longer on 202's, you know, Midwell's filet? And he goes, 17, 16, 15. So he'll like count <laughs> down in his head. And it's incredible to oh see him do gosh. this. He's been doing it for 20 years. You know, he's <laughs> content and happy being a broiler cook at Jeff Ruby Steakhouse. So he was a, he was a 
he's a good cook, very, very good cook. But and I learned a lot of Jeff Ruby's. I really did. And and there was only going to be one or two situations that would ever pull me away from that place because I was learning so much. The work was very re- yeah. rewarding. It was challenging. You know, I was challenged every day. People liked me. I was having a good time and, you know, working with some great people. And it was only going to be a chef job that took me away from that position because that's where you ultimately want to get to, you know, and being 29, starting in this industry, you're already about six or seven years behind most people, right. you know, because they're starting at 15, 16, 17. 17 in kitchens, you know, when I was in college, you know, that's just kind of how the industry is, which is kind of ironic because I just finished reading Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. And that was an eye opener. I I thought I was worked in some bad kitchens, but (laughs) man, the stories that he tells are just, it's incredible the way that he tells them. And it's so relatable. It's so, no wonder people, he has such a large following. I mean, relatable for those in the kitchen and who don't work in the kitchen. Even in the restaurant industry. I mean, he just talks, he talks about servers, he talks about hostesses, general managers, assistant managers managers, you know, cooks, dishwashers, all the above. He talks about everybody and it's, it was so, you know, relatable. It was so like, you know, I got to the end of it and I kind of looked at my wife. I was like, you know what? I was like, I didn't really was a fan until I started reading this book. But at the end of it, it's like, I miss him. Like, Aww. where is he? You know, like yeah, I want I more of him, you know? know. And, you know, that's kind of how it is because he grew up kind of like me. He was very affluent. He had a very wealthy family. He traveled a lot, you know, and then kind of fell into some stuff and got in trouble and found his way through the kitchen, which I is very similar. Kitchen like. Confidential, it's a good book. Honestly, if you have any interest whatsoever in kitchen life, he maps it out almost to a T. The culture, kitchen culture, restaurant culture, very similar. Very similar. So you know the culture from what you've said, like relatable in the book to yeah. your whole story so far. And you said the one thing that'll take you away is a chef job, yes. which you currently now have at Buckeye yes. Lake Winery, which is how I first even got to know you. Yes. But... It's not a normal way of, I think, someone would get a chef No, job. no, yes, I got off track <laughs> a little bit. If you can't tell, bit, Taylor so. is very abnormal in his story <laughs> of becoming a chef. Yes, and I, so I got randomly reached out to by uh, Chris Riley, who is the general manager at Buckeye Lake Winery on Instagram, on an account that I had probably put out two weeks before he reached out to oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, I created the account because I was filming like a day in the life of videos for my foster care program that I'll talk about later. And I wanted a place to put it because the videos were too big for me to store on my computer or on the memory (laughs) card. So it was like, my wife convinced me. She's like, well, you know, you should start branding yourself and, you know, posting your food and having a portfolio and stuff like that. So yeah. I was like, oh, all right. Well, I don't I hate social media. I just I, I understand why it exists. I just don't like using it. Yeah, so you're one of those. You're yeah, a woody, as I call it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so he reached out to me. He's like, hey, would you be interested in talking about an executive chef position? And I was like, come on. No way. <laughs> like you have like you see where I work. You see the work that I do. Like in nowhere, shape or form does it ever say chef in anything that I say. I mean, yeah, it's a, honestly a chef outside of it being an actual role and something you put on your tax form. It's a sign of respect. If somebody calls you chef in a kitchen, whether yeah. you are one or you aren't, it's a sign that they respect what well, it's you like do. it's doctor. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Like it's something that you earn. It's something that you have to earn with the respect from your fellow cooks and everything. Like I I was referred to as a chef before I was ever a chef, right. you know, because again, in my hard work ethic, the way that I treated people and just my overall professionalism and in an industry that doesn't have very much of it. <laughs> um, so it just kind of got reached out to me like, hey, you want to come and talk? And in my mind, I'm like, okay, 
you know, I've never been through a culinary interview before. I'm going to have to go through them in the future. Yeah. Just kind of want to see how it goes. Worst case scenario, I get the experience and I'm back where I started. So I go out there. I, I'm completely forthcoming with all my chefs at Jeff Freebies. I said, hey, this has got reached out to me. I'm going to kind of explore it. Just letting you know, I don't think anything is going to come of it, but I just want to let you know that I'm going to gain the experience. And they're like, oh, we definitely think you should. Like, you know, if you need anything, you need tools, pans, whatever, like, let yeah. us know. Like, oh, that's awesome. no problem. And I did one interview and then the second interview was a food tasting. And then the third interview was a dinner with the owner and his wife and everything with my wife and general manager and all the people involved in the decision making. And the next day they had got me an offer and has all that from an Instagram Oh my Pro, God! And you were profile. gonna do it. You you owe this to your wife. You I know do. That, right? I do. She will never take any. Ex- <laughs> uh, she'll never take any credit credit for it. Really? But Not even like a little dig. Like well, both we're up. both very career oriented people, okay. so like she's very like, oh, he knows exactly what he's doing. I don't like mm-hmm. need to question him, and I feel the same way about her. Like she runs her own business and does the stuff too. And I, when she asked for me for advice, I gave it to her, but I'm not gonna like impose anything on her. She does the same for me, yeah. so and, you know. And we both just kind of support each other and what we want to do. But yeah, that just kind of came down and. All off an Instagram post, which I barely ever even keep up with anymore. All I do is just repost the things that our our page puts yeah. out anyways. Well, just to I can help tell you, it. if you go to my Instagram right now, you can see your <laughs> different dishes that uh, I'm still dreaming of that Noki, by the way. Oh, man. Still thinking about it. But explain to someone who hasn't been to Buckeye Lake Winery the type of food that they are going to get. Because, you know, some people think they're going to a winery. You're like, oh, you have charcuterie boards and you have like some cheeses and nuts and stuff. But yours is a full-fledged restaurant. Yes. I mean, describe the food that you have when people go to Buckeye Lake Winery? Uh, I would kind of classify it as more American Bistro than anything. Uh, We have a couple of different things going on. I have to say that when he first opened the Buckeye Lake Winery, he had zero intention of it ever becoming a restaurant. He wanted to like make wine and like serve little side dishes like a charcuterie board, a cheese board. And that's really all he wanted to do. But now it's transformed into a restaurant that makes wine. You know, it's no longer a (laughs) winery that serves food. It's a restaurant that makes wine. It's true. So, but we have some pretty high end stuff. Like we're, we got a sea bass on our menu right now. We got a short rib that I sous vide for 24 hours. I love sous vide. Yeah. See, so, I'm so proud of myself to actually know what this is. So we got that on there. We got uh, our take on the scampi that you oh, leaned it's on so earlier. Good. It's yeah. some deep fried gnocchi. And with deep fried gnocchi blurry. will change your life. You have to go get a buck. I like um, <laughs> and I mean, we're keeping it small this winter because our business dies down pretty significantly in the winter versus the summer. So keep it relatively small, but I like to keep it classy. Like we offer features on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And I just started this uh, initiative called Eat Local Wednesdays where I go visit farms on Monday and Tuesdays and I buy product from places around here in Ohio and then I feature them to our clients like Glystone Farms, uh, Cooper Ridge, mm-hmm. uh, Swine. He gave me some pork ribs. So and then, you know, just going to go visit and make sure that everybody knows you don't eat local. You know, I know it's kind of like a trend of farm to table kind of thing, but you know, I, I love Cisco and I love my food suppliers. Don't get me wrong, but there's just something about, you know, people helping people, people feeding people. It's just cool, especially being here in Ohio and farm country where it's farm country, but it's also a food scene. Like you're explaining all these different restaurants yeah. that people don't know, because that's the one thing I've noticed about you getting to know you and your food is people can think of Buckeye like winery of going in the spring or the summer, but the, with the winter time or the colder weather, we'll say cool or weather mm-hmm. it's still a cozy place to go to and yeah, the food like, that you have yeah. the comfort food 
We're looking to turn our uh, banquet room into like a lounge area with like couches and rugs. Yeah. And it's got a fireplace and a TV in there. So we're looking to do that. And then we're looking to do once a month for like uh, some wine club members and selling tickets to like a chef's table where you come in, drink our wine. I cook you a meal in front of you and I go and talk about the wine and the food and why it's paired with everything. See, this um, is more reason for people to go to Buckeye yeah, Winery so, other than your story. No offense. It's the food and the And then we do a <laughs> fundraiser in the fall, Polar Plunge. We do Winterfest and stuff out there too. So yeah. there's definitely a lot to do around the Buckeye Lake, even if you're not in a boat. Well, we want to talk about fundraising, too. Yes. Before we go to kind of some new things that you've told me on the side that I'm geeking out about, mm-hmm. is the very first email I ever got to you when I was on Winnie the Wake Up Call, well, I'm still on Winnie the Wake Up mm-hmm. Call, is something that you do called Sunday Family Dinner. Mm-hmm. And this is something you started, a nonprofit you started, and it's a pretty cool thing, I must yeah. say. Um, yeah, it was kind of, again, kind of nonchalantly kind of came about. Uh, we've always been involved in foster care as growing up with my mom and everything. And I never really understood why that was a population that she was so concerned about. But, yeah. you know, her being a mother for 30 years, it's really, you know, one of the only things that she knows is to, how to be a mom. And those kids are looking for that type right. of parenting and type of love and stuff like that. And, you know, she found a niche and it was kind of cool to see that because, yeah. you know, my mom is so very rule oriented like we were like color-coded toy boxes as kids oh, like wow. she was you know <laughs> anal retentive to the nth degree like that's who yeah. she was and you know to kind of see her relax and and you know talk to these kids like she talked to us and stuff like that so it was kind of cool and then you know I kind of you know, fell in love with it as well too and it was something that I was really trying to be get into and uh, when I was at Jeff Ruby's I just so in the motion, in the repetitiveness of my job that I was like, I need to find something else to do. Like idle hands are the devil's playground kind of thing. I said, I need to find something to do. So I had been having this idea for a while and I just was looking for volunteer opportunities. I was like, I pay $300 a month in student loans. Maybe I'll try and use something, you know? So I looked at volunteers and I reached out to Safi, the first agency I reached out to, just typed out an email and said, hey, I noticed that you have a, you know, furthering education youth program. You know, what does it entail? You know, I'm interested in volunteering. You know, here's an idea I have. And I just laid it out. And I say in less than 24 hours, Sharice emailed me back and was just like, we need to meet now. Oh, wow. And uh, come to find out that she was like praying and praying and praying for something like this to happen. Somebody to come forth because they were starting to get low on funding. They were yeah. starting to lose interest. And with the increase in foster care population, the because their job was to like recruit foster parents for these kids, you know, and they're like more of an agency that connects that. And, you know, they were losing out on recruitment for parents. And she's like, well, we need something to get it going. And then I reached out to her and she's like, let's make this happen. So you reached out to her because you have an idea with the program of helping kids in the kitchen to help them in life. Yeah. So I, I always learned, you know, something growing up that my mom always made it a point to have dinner at six o'clock no matter what we were doing it was always dinner at six o'clock no matter what and that was where we got around food and talking about each other's lives and you know it was where you know some of the happier moments in my life and I was just like how can I recreate that right you know and you you get a certain confidence from learning how to cook for yourself and take care of yourself and you know a lot of these kids don't have that example you know there are great foster parents out there but there are also the ones that just collect the paycheck you know so you know they don't know the difference and they're all very defensive and very timid and very this and you can see them come alive when they put something together and they could create something out of nothing, you know? And I'm so over-enthusiastic about it because, you know, I can take like 
a pre-made cupcake box and be like, guys, ah, you're turning powder into something that you can eat. Like <laughs> this true. is an incredible process. Like, so I get like so enthusiastic about it and the kids usually feed off my energy. So it is ty- a little, little tiresome to keep up that energy working a 80 hour week mm-hmm. as an executive chef, but it's some of the most rewarding moments that I've had in a long time because. Well, and you have a bunch of ages in this class yeah, too. Yeah. Anywhere from, I think the youngest is the younger brother of a teenager. I like to keep it between like 14 to 18 because. Okay. Because those are their phase out ages that have to start thinking about what they're going to do in the future. Because right. how at 18, to cook dinner for themselves. Because at eighteen, they're they're given a bus ticket and said bye, good luck, yeah. you know. And it's up to the foster, they're up to the parent if they want to continue funding for the kid because the funding from the state stops at eighteen. Yeah. So my goal is was to start off by food, anything and everything to do with food. Like we talked to them about how to earn a paycheck, how to fill out tax forms, how to balance a checkbook, how to establish credit, how to go to a grocery store, how to look at a new nutrition label, how to, like my dad's a CFO. So he came in and talked about finances, like, you know, and I got uh, OSU nutrition guys to come and talk about how to, you know, maximize your money and still be able to eat healthy and stuff like that. So they came and talked in the first session and Jeff Ruby's just, man, they've been there since day one. They allow me to use their space on Sundays. They allow me to use their servers. They allow me to use their, their restaurant. I mean, they let, they have been extremely helpful and everything. So we've done two sessions now of six weeks apiece, and we're about to do a third one. So it just keeps building and building. Now, you know, Safi wants me to do it over the state of Ohio. They're like trying oh to hoard gosh. me. Like Cleveland's trying to get me to come <laughs> up and teach them. And they were like, get your own guy, get your own guy. Like, but I'm I need like, him. Right. So at the very least, it's an end game. You know, yeah. I don't want to be in a kitchen forever. My bones and my body can't handle being in a kitchen forever. So, you know, it's one of those things where if I can find a paying job that does that, then that's an end game for me. This is where the passion is ending. Not ending, but kind of going towards. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I still get to my passion of cooking and being right. creative. and and. But you were taught so much and you're help seeing what it does to other kids. I love cooking. But my true passion is teaching and mentoring. I really That's like awesome. to be that way and pass on any wisdom I think I have. So it's just one of those things where, you know, that's something that I like to do, where I'll pass on any wisdom that I can, I, whether it's limited or not. You know, <laughs> it's I, I feel like if somebody taught me that, that, you know, I'll pass it on to somebody else. What has been maybe the most surprising or and I don't necessarily want to make it a sad thing about foster care, about what you're doing, that with the kids you've learned that food wise, they didn't know how. Well, a lot of people don't know how to make things. So I guess kind of the hardest part think, that you've learned from this with dealing with the kids in general. I think the hardest part for me is that it's hard for, it's hard for me to empathize with them or put myself in their shoes because right. I, I didn't have their lives growing up. And they, they, they let me in every once in a while. And Sharice does a good job of kind of filtering what's going on in their yeah. lives. So I know what I'm walking into kind of thing. So, you know, if I'm coming in on a Sunday and, you know, one of the kids biological mom OD'd one day, you know, and she's like, hey, this is what happened. And this is what's going on. I'm like, man, like, and I'm here teaching them how to make mac and cheese. Like, I can sympathize, right? Yeah, yeah. I can sympathize with them, but empathy is just not going to be there. Like, I can say, I'm sorry that happened for you, but I can't be like, I know what you're going, going through. through. So that's been difficult for me because I've always prided myself in the fact of finding a commonality between yeah. people and relating to them on that level. You know, that's, but that's not something that I can do with these kids. So all I can do is provide a high energy atmosphere. In fact, when they come to my classes, they know they're going to get fed. 
So that's, they know yeah. where that meal's coming from. And then I let them take home as many leftovers as they want. You know, a lot of times, whether I have to buy the food myself or Cisco, one of my food suppliers, donates the food yeah. or I get it donated by other people or stuff like that. Like, and we've had some pretty consistent donors throughout the year too and had some pretty good success fundraising. And if and, someone wants to donate, how can they do that to reach out to you? Uh, um, they could just uh, reach out to me uh, and we'll. Probably. We I got all your socials. So, we can tag yeah, it. they can reach out to me, and then I'll probably point them in the direction of Safi because all that money until I reach a certain point. So if they want to donate, they can reach out to me on any social media platform that I have, or email, or whatever, uh, and then I'll probably point you in the direction of Sharice um, over at Safi, and she can take your money. So. She can take it. <laughs> but see, your passion through this has already led you to something we can kind of talk about that might make this. You said the end all, the end game is mentoring and teaching, and you may have that opportunity earlier than you thought yeah it's funny how the world works is you know as much you know negative your story is just the funny how the world works story i'm just telling you i can listen to you talk i don't need to (laughs) i don't need to ask questions yeah it's (laughs) i mean it's all just funny how things work and i'm a firm believer of good things happen to good people whether it's the positive side of that or the negative side of that you know it's your heart or your mind is in the right place you're gonna some you know good things are going to come and find you and that's why i've never made a decision based off money because if i work hard and do what i'm supposed to do the money's going to come anyways so you know i've always felt that way but you know on the one side where i said i can't empathize with these kids but on the positive side of that biggest surprise is that i haven't heard the word no a lot Mm -hmm. and that is really surprising because you can see the passion that exudes you do have so much passion is i just talk about it and and it just flows off the tongue. You know, I yeah. don't prepare for it. It's just it's just organic for me. It just flows out. And it kind of got to a point where yeah, I said I worked for Cameron Mitchell at Marcella's before. Uh, I actually got a chance to meet him in his office and his stuff all down by Huntington Park. Got the whole tour and everything. It was great. So and it was cool to kind of meet the man that you worked for and you right. idolized for a little bit. And you were proud. I was proud to work there for what I was. I'm proud to use my Cameron Mitchell, you know, around name town. Card, and, yeah. Yeah. I'd let them drop that name all the time. And it's a well-respected name in the, in the community, even out at Buckeye Lake. When I tell people I worked for Cameron Mitchell, they're like, Oh really? That's, Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Like, you know, that's a really good resume you got there. Like, so that's just something that I like to talk about. But anyways, I was face to face with him. Um, and we got on topic about my foster care program and he was just like, wow, that's, you know, he's like, you do that on your day off. And I go, Cameron, you and I both know that we don't have days off. Right. <laughs> I do this when I have free time, you know, yeah. you know, this is something that I do on the side that I'm passionate about and I've set time aside to do it, you know? And he's like, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty admirable for a man like Karen Mitchell to, to say, say, call that? you admirable yeah. is like, all right, I walked out with my head held high that day. But, uh, yeah, he kind of got on board and he was more shocked about the people, like the amount of kids who are phasing out of foster care, even in just the state of Ohio. I mean, there's some um, upwards of like 10,000 kids at any given time who are phasing that's out, the scary part. you know, and, and, and if you even think about even more scary is that less than 10% of that ever do anything with their lives yeah. like ever most of them will end up in jail homeless dead like that's oh just God. the story of it and he you could tell he was taken back by that statistic whether it was 100 fact or not you yeah. know it you're, was close you're very enough convincing <laughs> it was close enough you know i mean and, yeah. and hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It didn't change the fact that it needed to be addressed. And he was just like, he's like, I had no idea. So the meeting ended and my mom looks at me and she's like, you just talked yourself into a job. And I go, <laughs> I don't, I'm not looking for one, first of all. Right. Second of all, like, I think we're really far away from that. But we'll tread along lightly to see what's going on here. You know, it's a very busy man. I'm gonna, like, we're going to tread lightly here. <laughs> So I get home and I send the traditional, you know, thank you for seeing us. You know, this is what we talked about, like the recap for any interview that you have, right. whether you're doing a job or whatever. So I just send him, say, hey, this is what you wanted us to find. You know, he wanted us to look for the price for the Bradford building. So I gave him that. We found it on public records. And then uh, I just said, again, if, you know, whatever you need from me, let me know. You know, and he sends it back an email to me and it basically says, it was really, you know, happy to see you and your mom. I think you guys are doing great things. Keep it up. You know, I want to put a discovery team behind you to tackle this foster care program. Wow. So I was like, I don't know what a discovery team is, but I'm sure it's <laughs> He's something got nice. Some sort of team he sure for he does. Um, and then he asked me to put together like a little flyer to pass around the office to people who gain interest and everything like that. And uh, they're going to come and sit in on one of my new session, one of my classes this past session to see what's going on. And then if they purchase the building, the end game would be to like kind of turn it into a an at-risk youth center where that we wow. teach cooking classes because the building's equipped for it anyways. So we'll be able to have more kids than yeah. what you already have. And then I would be able to work with more agencies and hire more people. So so is this your next step that you want? I think so. I think it's an end game for me because then it utilizes my desire for to help people that I got with my degree in social work and my passion for cooking and you know, it was the best of both worlds. So I think that would be the end game for me would be to I basically develop a job for myself where I did that permanently. You know, he referenced it as an executive director. So I, right. that would probably be, you know, the head of the program kind of thing, kind of pointing fingers and then cooking. I love to cook. What so. would you tell someone? Because I mean, I love your stories. Yeah. Anyone listening now could just keep listening to your stories that is trying to be in the position you are, whether it's with an organization or a chef or even just to be a line cook. Like, what would you tell someone? Because like if people ask me my radio career, it's abnormal. Yeah. I mean, you could say yours is abnormal in the cooking world. What would you tell someone who's like struggling doing what they want to do, which is what your position is? I will say two things in the completely opposite ends of the spectrum, but they can mean the exact same thing. Okay. Don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid afraid to succeed me okay so like <laughs> know. when you when you are learning how to cook a dish and you fail don't be afraid to fail you know it's mm -hmm. okay if you have to make the dish twice you know the big, biggest saying in the kitchen is like make it right or make it twice you know if you don't make it right the first time don't be afraid to throw it away but if you're doing it six seven eight nine times in a row then that starts to become a problem yeah but if you're going to fail fail at 100 percent. fail at giving it your all don't half-assing it failing it like and don't be afraid to fail don't be afraid to you know burn a pasta like i got some attitude yesterday the other day because i was cooking online and we got i burnt the same pasta three times in a row and i threw the pan and was like damn it. Like I just threw the pan and the, all the servers thought they were mad at me. And I was like, no, I burnt the pasta three times. So it's like, don't be afraid to fail. You know, right. don't be afraid to make a mistake. But if you're going to make the mistake, at least be a hundred percent behind it. And for the, don't be afraid to succeed is that a lot of the kids that I run into my foster program is that they don't think that they're good enough to be successful. They yeah. don't think that they are worthy of being successful. And I say that it's like, don't be afraid to be successful. Don't be Aww. afraid to be the best 
best person you can be, whether that's a video game designer or a chef. Like, again, don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to succeed. Okay, now I'm inspired by that. <laughs> Thank you. I got goosebumps. <laughs> so before we go, I know we could talk all the time, but there's really something I really want to talk about is speaking of don't be afraid to fail or don't be afraid to succeed. You've got asked to go compete for Supermarket Steakout, which is hosted by one of my all-time favorite chefs, ICAG, Iron Chef Alex Gorinchelli, who hosts this. So explain how the heck this even came about, speaking of social media. Yeah, speaking of social media, um, my current position at Bucket Lake Winery required me to get a Facebook page, and I said, well, that's fine, but I'm not using my last name. It's like, I don't... One, like, use my last name for that, people, because not that I've, like, created bad juju in my life. I just, our phones are already listening to us. I don't need it to make it easier. (laughs) All right. So I was like, I'll call myself Chef Taylor. So uh, I got randomly reached out one night from a producer in LA for the show that said, Hey, we're interested in talking to you about potentially being on the show. Would you care to have a phone conversation? I was like, Yeah, hell yeah, I'll take a phone conversation. Like, it's Food Network, you know, whatever. But I'm still nervous. I'm like, I'm only barely three years into this industry. Like, there's a lot of people out there who have much more experience than me, much better than me at this, you know? Like, that's where I get concerned. It's like, oh, if Cameron Mitchell's doing this and I get my name and I completely embarrass myself, like, yeah. not that I think I would, but if I do, like, would that taint what he's hey, doing? don't like, be afraid to succeed. You just take it your own words. Advice. Again, so they reached out to me. I filled out an application tape, basically just outlining who I am, why I would be good on the show. I made a video of myself at the winery it was kind of funny so they like let you they told you to like let your personality come through so i had like the glass of wine sitting by the fireplace just like talking to them like um What's that uh, Will Ferrell sketch? Oh, character. between the two ferns. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The Zach Galifianakis yeah. one. I was just yeah. like totally milking it up and sapping it up, and I talked about everything from my career to my current position to my foster care, where I'm from, how I got to Columbus, and my number one thing was I want to be on the show so we can put Columbus food scene on the map because I think we can compare compete with the best of them I think we can compete with New York I think we can compete with LA Chicago Atlanta like I think we can compete with all those food scenes because it is so easy here to get a restaurant start one a concept because I mean think about it like in your main areas like how many Applebee's do you see or how many whatever chain restaurant that you know was popular in the 90s were quick fast easy food you know that's not very prevalent around here in Columbus you know it's very up and coming restaurants. We have like 125 craft breweries <laughs> here in Columbus, it's Ohio, true. you know? So yeah. like we're so hungry for the next thing. We're so hungry for good food, good beer, good drinks. Like we can compete with the best of them. And I think that, you know, somebody, not that I would be an ambassador for Columbus, but just to let them know we, that we that got network, something. you can. Well, stay tuned to yeah. see Chef Taylor on Supermarket Stakeout. Only but hope. I know, let's hope. Okay, so we're going to end it this way. I hate to cut your story short, sure. but we I only have so much time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. The bad bite segment that we have, I need you to tell me whether it's your bad bite you've had for new experience or what some chefs have been telling me mostly is a review that you got from someone for their bad bite, whether it's at your restaurant now and we're not promoting that your food is bad but everyone has bad days people in general and when they come out to eat so has it been here or at another restaurant uh i, I wouldn't say necessarily at the buck i like winery because i control a lot more than i did at any other restaurant 
There was just one time though that I got real close. We at Jeff Ruby's, we used to deep fry our chicken parmesans mm -hmm. and sometimes the fryer would be too hot. So the outside would cook a lot faster than the inside. And I would have to stick a thermometer in the side of the chicken to see if it was done. Right. We were getting slammed one night and I stuck this chicken in there and I thought it was in there longer than I would. And they were like, where's the chicken parm? And I was like, right here. So I like bring it out and put it on a plate. This thing was almost raw <gasps> when I went to the table. Like it was bad. Like it, the, the customer didn't see it, but like the server came back and was like, uh, I just saved this lady's life. Like, look at this chicken. It was still raw in the middle, like all the way through. And I was like so embarrassed by yeah. that because that's something that never happens to me because I'm very meticulous about my mise en place, right. which is like, uh, I don't know what that means. Mise en place is French for everything in its place. So okay. it's like, you know, when a cook has their station set up to the way that they want, they're, they're comfortable with, they have their oils, they have their wines, they okay. have their sauces, whatever. That's their mise en place. So, you know, you have all that stuff ready to go. And, you know, I've always prided myself in being the most efficient and best yeah. and consistent and whatever. And when that thing went out, I my whole face went white. It was just like, oh my God. And every chef complains about complaints from people because right. they don't know anything. They don't know this. They don't know that. Like, they don't know what a medium rare steak looks like. They don't know what a medium salmon looks like. They don't know nothing. Uh -huh. Right? So that's how most chefs react to right. negative reviews. But when you send out something like that, like a raw piece of chicken, you remember that forever. And you will never make a raw piece you of chicken again. never make a raw piece of chicken ever again. <laughs> I temp every piece of chicken I ever put out now. I carry one in my chef's sleeve specifically for that reason. So I temp chickens. Oh, my gosh. Well, there you go. Now you'll know. Every time you take a bite of chicken, you will think of Chef Taylor. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I mean, your story's just is something three years in the making, and you've gone through all of this already. This is what makes my favorite part of the podcast. If I didn't this. go through this, I would be bored. There so, you go. you know, I just take life as it comes to me and handle things. Luckily, I have a very good support system at home. So yes, you do. Well, everyone can come try out your food at Buckeye Please Lake do. Winery. I have the links up on my Facebook and my Instagram page. Thank you for doing this. I mean, I'm going to come back and get your gnocchi. The fry gnocchi is just a whole other world. It, it is. is one of the popular ones. <laughs> Hopefully these stories were just as awesome for you as they were for me. If you're not following me already, please do on Instagram at K underscore Hanley. And you can also subscribe to this iHeartRadio podcast so you won't miss another episode. Just follow us online at WCOL.com. And if you are a baker, restaurant owner, chef, anything, and you want to be featured on this podcast, just send me a message on Instagram at K underscore Hanley. Plus, if there's a restaurant you love, I need to know about it and they need to be on this podcast. Don't forget my Instagram at K underscore Hanley or email me at Kayla at WCOL.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.